Good morning. Good morning. Greetings, everyone. <clears throat> can you can you hear me? Yes. If you hear me, you go like this, or like this. Like I won't do the next one. Okay, this is good. All right, welcome back, my friends, to the show that eventually might end. Christina, go ahead. Christina, you were raising your hand. No. Uh, ah, okay. Just checking. All right. Anybody ready to go ahead? I see Habet and our, our new little friend. Habet, how is it going, you guys, girls? How are you guys, how are you girls doing? Hi, we are doing great. Yes, but right now we have more people coming, so it's got to be very noisy. <laughs> okay. All right, then. See you. Thanks for saying hi. Somebody else. Caroline, for example. Hello, Caroline. Okay, I'm, I'm good morning. I'm new to this. <laughs> yes, that's why we're wanting to say hello to you. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. Looking forward to to be here. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to anyone who's jumped in recently. This is a moving train. We are, we are on the way. This thing is we are shooting through the universes. So, so I, it turns out in my experience that people who jump in now are, are under their own recognizance to make a fast leap into this space because we don't slow down much for people one way to catch up or to do some matrix building research is to go back into the Next Culture radio platform and 
pick up on, on previous um, times that we've been together, we've recorded these and there's so much great stuff in there. So please make yourself uh, familiar with those kinds of opportunities. That would be great. Thank you. So welcome, yeah. Caroline. Welcome. Thank you. Is somebody else new I didn't see here yet? Um, hi. Hello, um, hi. Who is it? <laughs> I'm Autumn. Omaran? Uh, autumn, like the season. Autumn, welcome. Mm -hmm. How did you, I see some creature sitting to your left, looks like somebody, we're Mark, some kind of a Mark. <laughs> yeah, Mark's been telling me about, um, uh, Clinton Callahan <laughs> for two years. Mark's been telling me about um, a lot of things about your uh, writings and I've checked out your website and I got to a point in my life where like, it's really necessary for me to um, get rid of my boxes and expand my ways of thinking because what I'm doing is no longer working. Alrighty, so yeah. you know, we, <laughs> us human beings are really tough. We, we like hold on to the survival strategy until the last thread of any kind of humanity is left in us. And then it's finally like, help, you know, instead yeah. of, yeah. That's instead sort of been my experience, yeah. Ah, well, one of the exercises we've started doing some months back, this is, this is number 48 or something, aren't we at number? No, this is 51. So next week is one year anniversary. One year. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. And so what I wanted to say also, Autumn, is that this is a team. So this is not about the Clinton Callahan guy. Yeah. I'm serving as primary space holder, but really everyone here is a space holder and it's so palpable. It is so this space would not exist, it would not fly unless each one of these people was contributing to the space holding and to holding, navigating the space. So it's a team and I'm, I'm really, I, I remember back in December, I was thinking, ah, you know, a couple of weeks off from the study group at December. And then I checked into my heart and it was just like, no way, no way do I wanna skip this. Uh, and so we did not, we just kept going every week and all it doesn't matter mm -hmm. rain or snow or shine or whatever mm, the awesome. santa claus coming really, <laughs> yeah so it's a team and it's i i would like to say to anyone else who's new is that we are getting better and better at doing these emotional healing processes for each other and the point is we'll be getting we'll be getting into more and more clarity about what that means in the book, but so far people are already doing it. And so when there's a difference between feelings and emotions, feelings come up, get used, they applied, and they're gone out of your five bodies in less than three minutes. That is a feeling. That is a feeling. And I remember I was 39 years old before I had my first feeling. So almost everything we experience is emotional and we don't distinguish between feelings and emotions. So emotions are for healing things and feelings are for handling things. And so when emotions come up, which they will do in any kind of a liquid state where it feels like the rug is pulled out or the circulation in our energetic body has gone 
in a different direction or our heart feels broken or we get outraged or hooked or triggered or reactivity comes up, all these things are emotions and each one is a gateway for a, an emotional healing process. And so we are, this team, we already know that stuff is coming up for us. That's partly or mainly, mainly why we're in this, in this journey is to encounter these surprising, they're usually surprising emotional reactivity things that come up for us. And when that happens, you just put your hand up and go, okay, you know, I'd like to have an emotional healing process. One or two people would like to take me on to hold space for me in this. And one or two people will put their hands up and that day or the next day you go through the process and come out the other end of the tunnel and it's a new world. And that's, that's one of the fantastic things about this journey that we're on is that you can, there's such skill, there's so much skill already in this team and so much trustworthiness, so much reliability. And so I, I really encourage you to, to do more rather than less emotional healing processes because we're already on page 143 or something like that. And the book's only 600 pages long. So <laughs> it won't go on forever. So take advantage of it while you can. So that's my, somebody else, somebody else has some uh, say hello or something to check in about some experiments that you've been trying out with the knits that we were encountering last week or anything else you wanna share. I wanna say hello. I am new and not new actually. It's the first time I can join. And I can see that since two weeks, my heart was beating to be here. And yeah, I'm just here finally to be more connected and take some energy. And already hearing Clinton just for five minutes, I can see something is moving. And mm -hmm. I can see that this space, even if I didn't connect with all of you, it's a sacred space. So I'm happy to be here. Hello again. Hello, Bouquet. I'd like Hello, to tell Bouquet. other people, Bouquet is, is taking a stand to translate. She has a team translating Sparks into Turkish. And so if anybody wants to be on that team, go for it. She has connections in Turkey. There's this conversation going about bringing expand the box training and labs to bringing the work to Turkey and Bouquet's taking a really big stand for that. So I'm totally appreciative of that it's big work. Yeah. Thank you. Welcome. Anyone else? Say, hello, I, Naomi. I just, hi, hello. I want to say, Caroline, it really makes a difference for me if you hold space just by being there and not cooking at the same time. It, it's like an energy leak. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yep, there's been some unspoken protocols that we've developed over the time, which is basically like that. If you're going to be here, have your camera on, participate. Um, not, not about eating stuff, but if you're drinking water, we need you to drink water in this process. Hello, Jeff. Glad you had a glass of water. And, but, but, but make yourself a mage mug. Always use the same kind of mug that you use for this is the water I drink in sacred spaces out of. This is the mug I use 
for drinking water and sacred spaces. And then people will, every now and then we go, let's have a, a toast to you, with your mage mug. <laughs> well, I say Dor has this amazing meal game where everyone gets to make up a rule. And the best rule that I've found is that every time before you take a drink of water, you have to say a little prayer for the clean, fresh water. So maybe I'll offer that one. Say a little, little thanks and gratitude for clean water. Thank you. Excellent. Is there anybody else? Want to share anything? I'm particularly interested in your explorations with the knits, with the connection between your box and your knit and your belief system about what's real and true and important in the world. Anybody have any sharings about that? Thor, go ahead. Yeah, my, my share is that sometimes I discovered a mechanism where I leave knits I put my knits in front of people because I know they're going to get hooked and they're going to, I know their mechanism of picking in my knits. So I put it there on purpose. So it's, it's going to be a gremlin thing. That so, would be a gremlin thing. So when you say I, you might want to be more clear about which I is talking. There's a fantastic website called parts, parts.mystrikingly.com that I encourage everybody to go through there and start doing those experiments because we have so many parts. And if we don't, if we don't identify it in, on purpose in the space, then those parts are actively running our lives unconsciously in, in unconscious purposes. And those, then you get those kind of results. So if you're surprised that you're hooked, if you're surprised that you don't have intimacy, if you're surprised that you feel crazy or alone or whatever, whatever you're feeling surprised about, it could easily be because you've let some other parts create certain results in your life. And then you forget because when we switch from one part to another part, we usually get knocked unconscious. It's almost like walking through a doorway. Walk through a doorway, oftentimes we get knocked unconscious because we're moving from one space to another space. So when one part takes over, it just kind of slides in and the other one slides out. We get knocked unconscious and we think this is the only part we have. And we forget altogether that just a few seconds ago, we were completely dominated or controlled by another part. And this paying attention to your parts is worth it's worth uh, documenting, making a library of your parts, a list of your parts in your beat book. And then what you can do is every time you find a new part, you go to the back of your beat book and you write it down. And then you can go, ah, that part is up again. Okay, here's another part. I mean, the last, the last time I was doing this, I had 18 parts and there's probably even more. So if you can get find your parts, give them a name, not just Bob or Sue or Hans or something like that, but really a name like the, uh, cock on the dunghill or um, demon slayer or you know garbage eater or whatever a name like that something that's very descriptive then then you can classify it experientially when it comes up and go you know what you don't get it. it's not your time you don't get to have this one stay you know back in your hole <laughs> i don't know where the other parts hang out i think you're basically 
we have the zoo inside of us. You know, it's an entire zoo. And when you walk through a zoo, like in Stuttgart, they have this zoo in Germany. You walk through cage after cage after cage. And, and it's insane in a way because these animals do not live in cages except in a zoo. But in us, we have all these cages and each animal is trying to get to that moment when it can get out and get control of the steering wheel, our voice and our eyes and our ears and interpret the whole world in according to its dietary needs. And then it, it eats our world and, and the people who interact with us have to deal with that and we have to deal with the consequences. Somebody else, anything? Is that yeah, yeah. Brian? Thank you, Quinta. Thank you. I wanted to, I want to say I had this experience this morning of speaking in my adult ego state and having all these parts coming in, trying to say things and do things and, and being the zoo manager, being like, all right, all this stuff is happening. And I'm like, okay, like, what am I going to do from the adult perspective? And then there's just so much happening in the present. Yeah, I mean, one of the, you know, you have to manage that zoo somehow. And if you do not manage it consciously, then you're trying to manage it unconsciously and it is a mess. It's a war zone. It's a war zone. So somehow what I've been finding is I can use my gremlin as, an, as my assistant zoo manager. And instead of me, you know, when the orangutan comes out, you know, or the, the slug, I have, a, I have a part of my zoo is a large collection of these slugs. They're kind of dark brown and they make a lot of slime and they basically just sulk. So when, when these things, when these things try to come out and take over, my gremlin Scar, he, he handles it for me now. And he's got, the, he's got the chair and the whip and he's going down, down, back, you know, like this. So he goes, God, more lettuce for the slugs, you know, here, give them more lettuce or carrot leaves or something. And so it's a, it's, this gremlin part of ourselves, if you do not give him conscious and important jobs to do, that's called basically high drama, then he'll, he'll be doing low drama stuff because he's gonna do something. So figure out really amazing high drama jobs for your gremlin to do and things will go better for you and they're far more interesting, guaranteed. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, this is somehow the same stuff where I am, if you are standing and being aware much more of all these parts and all the programs running before unconscious and then it's like, oh, this abundance of seeing and, and it's like uh, how to balance, how to, how to be with that, it's, it's so such deep stuff came out and and then how to integrate how to become whole again how to how to make a new you out of that it's, yeah, it's you where i am right now yeah doris you might be asking the wrong questions you know trying to make it whole again you might be trying to map yourself onto a concept that you think you can understand or maybe picked up from some Buddhist tradition or something, but has no relationship to reality. So, so you just check out your concept because trying to make yourself whole again 
or numb again or under control again or a good person again, these things are gonna just take you down really. So you might wanna talk with some of the other people here during the week and figure out, well, what am I doing actually? What am I trying to do? So I just, I just wanted to say hello to Yana. And Yana, how do I say your last name? Mike Snarova? That's pretty close. Mike Snarova, yeah. yeah. Hi. What, hi, where are you calling from? I am calling from Switzerland right now. Okay. Uh, my name is Czech. Ah, okay. Yeah. Ah, cool. I just did a emotional healing process with a man in Switzerland whose native original language is Czech. And so half the process is, is Czechian. Checking, and I'm I'm like, what is he saying? It was fantastic. It was a fantastic process. Really great. So, if you want to hear some powerful checking language? It's number eighty-two. I think it's a very powerful process. So great, cool, welcome. Cool. thanks for having me. Yeah, and Naomi Banefo. Hello. Somebody, Hi. somebody welcomed you into this group recently. I saw it pass by on Telegram. How did you hear about this? Um, yeah, I'm in Nicole's sphere. I'm in from Alberta, Canada, but right now I'm in British Columbia, Canada. How did you get a name that starts with an MB? Uh, it's Nigerian. My father's Nigerian. Wow, welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Very cool. All right. All right. The section we're reading from right now is called Take Care of Yourself. Wait, <laughs> Joseph, you had your hand up? Joseph, did you have your hand up before? just uh, wanted to bring a, a similar experience I was it was just a few days ago where I came home and it was like having 10 voices at the same time and I, I would not really know what to do what I wanted it was like running in five directions at simultaneously and for some usually I would fight with these voices and in this uh, situation I decided well I just sit down on my sofa and wait what they are going to do and I was like watching, just reclining and watching what was going on for about 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And uh, I heard all these kinds of voices or, or the identities kind of quarreling together. And after 15 minutes, I was quite calm. And I knew what I wanted to do again, and I could continue with a clear mind. It was kind of a fascinating Way because I usually I would not come to the idea of just sitting down and watching the show running, the things that are running the show. It sounds like you have a, a Roman Colosseum and the monsters down there are fighting each other. Yeah. And you're just <laughs> the king, the emperor sitting up there going thumbs up or thumbs down or yeah. <laughs> watching the entire battle. And after they're all wiped out, then you can go on with your other business. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also wanted to share something about parts. Just when I was hearing people talking, it's like there's these parts that are unconscious or wanna that are part of our box or part of our gremlin. But I think there's also parts that we don't know that are in service of our archetypal lineage or in service of our service. And who, so I don't know, it's like, the part that can let Gaia speak or the warrior's angel or the uh, whatever, the mage pirate or 
and and that there's also those parts that are that are waiting to be like greeted or let spoke like let them spoke through you and so it happened to me last week where some kind of part came out I don't have a name for it but it freaked me out and I got scared from my own my own clarity and my own like flaming kind of flaming clarity and but I I'm I'm not and I and I thought okay I don't live in that part but it came out at this moment because it was it was useful or it was needed and then I, I whatever it was then I shifted into another part and, and into another part and I think there's these parts also are, are waiting to be discovered I think warriorous angel was a good name yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you All right. Oh, I would I would like to um, share Go part ahead. of the reason part of the reason why I um, I wanted to um, get more into what you guys are doing here for a few years, but I was focusing on my artwork and um, instead. And part of the reason why I ended up needing to come is because um, I thought my personality split into like sixteen personalities and all of these things came forward and I named them because I didn't know what else to do. And then um, like through what transpired from those coming up, I ended up in a psych ward and my family was trying to keep me there. Um, but I was able to, um, well, my family wasn't, they were also trying to help me out, but they just didn't understand what was going on. And Mark shared me, with me, um, earlier that those are actually my boxes and I've just been naming them. Um, and I mean, I don't really understand fully yet, but um, I'm here to like learn and understand more so that I stop hurting people by slipping into the ones that are for survival um, and, and so on. <laughs> and to be empowered because it's really confusing when I have um, like, um, one of you was sharing when they're all arguing with each other on what the next action is going to be. I get um, very overwhelmed and very tired. Thank you. Good work. I mean, you know, when we when we do this, can you put your hands down and let it in, Autumn? Can you just let this in without okay. smiling? Just look at people's face. Let it in. Just let it all the way past your mind. You're still not letting it past your mind. Try to not think about it. Try to just let it come in. Yes, like that. Yeah, thank you. Even though we're physically spread out around the world, energetically we're in this same space. And we meet here oftentimes because the understanding or the clarity that we're using is rare in modern culture. It is rare. Modern culture does not distinguish feelings from emotions. Modern culture does not distinguish uh, how to separate emotions or how to use emotions for emotional healing processes and then come back 
into the adult ego state. Modern culture doesn't acknowledge how to decontaminate the adult ego state from child and from gremlin and from parent and from how to, these processes are really central to the work that we're doing and foreign to the culture we were born and raised in. And so to find your way here is a miracle to be, be able to provide this stuff for other people, which is what we would like. We would like you to be able to provide these things to other people. This is another miracle and all of that is totally possible. It just, is, it just works. So thank you for your courage, each one, but thank you, thank you for your courage, Autumn in this case, to make it out of the psych ward and into the field of radically responsible experimenting, paying attention to your attention and self-observation and doing experiments. Thank you. So the next experiment in the book on page 147, sorry, is take care of yourself. So we, we already started to have the conversation about which self are you taking care of, which is a major distinction that modern culture also does not use. Now just read from the book for a while. A clarification is necessary here. When you say take care of yourself, a clarification is necessary. Taking care of yourself does not mean always making sure that you are comfortable. Taking care of yourself means making sure that your decisions and actions are resonant to your true purposes. Being resonant to your true purposes is not stress-free, which means it's not necessarily comfortable. The stress that arises through being resonant to your true purposes provides useful nutrients needed for building matrix. So building matrix, I just will, matrix is an energetic structure in your being that is made from distinctions and catches consciousness. And if you look back at yourself five years ago, 10 years ago, and see that you are different now, one of the main differences is you have built matrix and you catch more consciousness now. You just see things differently, more completely, with more compassion. So uh, this team, meeting at this team every week, builds matrix. So even if you say nothing, even if you own or understand half of what's going on, you are just staying here and paying attention, as much attention as you can, is building huge amounts of matrix. So this is why we do this, one of the reasons. In this section, I am not talking about this kind of stress. The kind of, I am talking about the kind of stress that results from deceiving yourself and trying to look good instead of taking responsible care of yourself. I just want to read that little sentence again. So the, so the stress that arises through being resonant to your true purpose provides useful nutrients. It's a certain kind of stress. There's another kind of stress that does not provide useful nutrients. And that stress is, for example, deceiving yourself and trying to look good instead of taking responsible care of yourself. So what this means is agreeing with somebody else's opinion even when you do not. 
going along with an invitation to some action when you don't want to, or not saying no or stop when you want to, or pretending as if you like a person more than you do, for example, or being, you know, doing politically correct actions when there's a part of you screaming, you know, this is not important. This is, et cetera. So, so I'm talking about the kind of stress that results from deceiving yourself, trying to look good, for example, instead of taking responsible care of yourself. This also means when you're walking through the shopping zone or going to a party or at a meeting and you sacrifice your bubble of culture, your personal bubble of values or bright principles, and you just you stop holding space for yourself and, and submit yourself to the space that's held by somebody else. It's, that's also not taking care of yourself because you can participate in any meeting or any interaction without sacrificing your own culture. You just need to respect your culture as much as you respect the other person's culture and you keep the distinctions and use the distinction gap, the gap between their distinctions and your distinctions, you use that as a, a, a source of energy for writing interesting articles that you publish on your website or making films or music or art, or you use this, this, this difference between the culture of a person standing right in front of you and your own culture and be amazed and be entertained and ask questions about it and dive into it. And it's, it's such a fascinating complexity. I just had this conversation with a guy that where I said one thing, like, don't do this. And his next answer was, I'm going to do this. I said, don't do this. And his, I said, I'm going to do this. And I said, hold on, okay. What, how, please explain to me how it's possible that I would say, don't do this, and your next response is, I'm gonna do this. And so please just explain to me, I'm interested, I'm curious. And he, so he said, okay, well, I assume this, and then I assume that, and about that, I assumed either this or that, and I made this assumption and that conclusion, and then I jumped to this other assumption and made that conclusion, and so therefore. And it's like, whoa, whoa, that is fascinating. What is up? So my next question is, what is up about making these assumptions? How many people have been have made any assumptions in the last week? Anybody make any assumptions? <clears throat> and I asked him, so we've just started this conversation about what is up about what is why is it why why is it so important to make assumptions? And so his answer was, well, he was feeling afraid. And so instead of looking at what he was afraid about, he tried to figure out all the ways to avoid being afraid instead of looking at what the fear was about. In any case, this is the beginning of an investigation about why we're making assumptions. So if you want to be on the assumption team, please start observing what's going on with you each time you make an assumption. Because, I mean, why, why would you need to make an assumption? There, there's enough... Uh, presence, like you have enough presence to, to make decisions or take actions without making assumptions. You can check people, you can check in with people, you can check stuff, you can verify things. Anyway, this is the beginning of some experiments.
So what I'm saying is ignoring your true purposes. This is in the book now. Ignoring your true purposes throws you into a self-perpetuating stress cycle. If you ignore your true purpose, you're in this stress cycle. It goes something like this. Try to look good. Behave in a way that's out of alignment with yourself. Feel stressed out. Try to look good. Goes around and around and around. And you can spend days, weeks, months, decades playing out that little circle. And your being will starve. Your heart will be empty. You know, you'll, be, you'll feel so alone. But you will keep trying harder. You'll keep trying harder this same thing, the same strategy. You know, behave out of alignment with yourself. Try to look good. Behave out of alignment with yourself. Feel stressed out because you're not being yourself. And while you're stressed out, try to look good. Pretend like it's not happening. The cycle is a direct highway, an autobahn, as they would say in Germany, to ordinary human relationships. Ordinary human relationship runs on that kind of a cycle. So you have two people doing this cycle with each other. Breakfast, lunch, dinner time, bedtime, it's all this thing going on. Anybody had that experience with this? Okay, thank you. So here's a way to Put a crack in that cycle. And it's the next sentence. Start using stress as an irresponsibility detector. Use the stress itself. When you start feeling this stress, go, uh-uh. It sends off this signal. Goes, okay, I'm being irresponsible in some way here. And what I'm saying is I'm not taking care of myself in some way here. So that means instead of denying the stress or numbing out the stress or complaining about the stress or trying to you know, understand the stress, instead of all that or explain it, you know, instead recognize and accept that you're having a stress situation, recognize it with gratitude because it's full of useful information. It is full of useful information the signs of stress, such as crankiness, cranking means irritability, sleeplessness, overreacting, nervousness, illness, accidents, or psychological breakdown are signals pointing to exactly where you are being irresponsible. You're using the stress as a positive indicator it shows exactly, you follow the stress back and you can do this in an emotional healing process, very straightforward work. Follow the stress back and you will find exactly where you are not in alignment with yourself, where you're being irresponsible, you're not taking care of yourself. Follow the signal back to its source. Where you are being irresponsible is where you can start taking care of yourself, which means a new experiment. You do a new experiment. To experiment with responsibility, with responsibly taking care of yourself, try this. 
creatively change your circumstances to alleviate stress rather than playing out the role of being a victim of the circumstances. Creatively change your circumstances to alleviate the stress. So it's sometimes difficult to think of, well, what could I try that would alleviate this stress? So this is what a possibility team is for, or a three cell. You can just set up your team and go put just one of the things, anybody have any questions? Yes, please give me possibility for how to alleviate this stress rather than playing out my role of being a victim of these circumstances. And then you write down what they say and you write down as fast as you can exactly what they say because you might not understand what they say. Your box might not understand what they say, but you write down their words and then you can ask them later, what does this mean? How do I do this? Go to the next level. These are your experiments. Be proactive. You can feel stress coming long before it arrives. Like I said before, we have this endurance contest going. Probably you started it with your mother or your father or something. It's like, how much stress can you endure before you crack? You know, how much insanity can you endure before you crack? And you're just tough and you're numb and you put it away and you stash it and you deny it and repress it and all that. And it's so, so you can feel stress coming long before it arrives. Like, Increase the sensitivity of your stress detector. There's, there's a weird, like the other day I was walking through the grocery store and I, had, I was practicing lowering my, my I was increasing the, the sensitivity <clears throat> of my physical body messages. And I was walking through the grocery store and I grabbed a jar of, liverwurst from German liverwurst from the shelf. And I'm, I'm standing there before I know it, I'm, I have it in my hand. And I'm going, what? you know, I'm mostly a vegetarian, mostly, you know, at home, I hardly cook meat very often. And so here's, here's this. And so, okay, I so I buy it. I go, okay, this much. And I ate the whole thing, just ate it. And it did not taste good. And it was not fun to eat. But my body went, I needed that, whatever. It wasn't my mind. It wasn't some gorilla part. I don't know what it was. I was missing some, God, some weird chemical that's in pig livers or I don't know, something like that. But, but you can start trusting those, those kinds of sensations that don't make sense to the mind, that don't fit your box habit, but are useful in, a, in the overview. And Chloe? I'm... Because this is my research at the moment in terms of decontaminating my adult ego state from my gremlin. And, and, it, and it's about stress. And the more I talk about this part of that I'm decontaminating, the more people are like, God, this is happening to me also. Like what? And, and now I somehow I, something is, is making sense about trying to look good trying to do it like especially for good girl boxes good boy boxes and having this like disalignment and and then it's just it's kind of like merge into how we run our life or like it sort of feels merge and that then my even the interaction with this work is is still this looking good like this looking good or disalignment 
because it's like this, in a way, it's a contamination of my adult ego state. And so even work that feeds me or stress that could be useful, like the first kind of stress that you were talking about in terms of building matrix can be also taken over by this um, behaving out of alignment in terms of taking care of myself. And I, I think that has to do with the gremlin contamination. And, and so the, the purpose is not clear. Yeah. And Chloe, could you explain your exact practice better, just more clearly your exact practice? Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> the behavior that I'm working on right now is this, I'd call it, it has a different name. It's a, this overdrive. It can almost be this manic kind of excitement, like, what about this? What about that? And I need to do this and this and this. And it, and it, and it, and it can easily, like often it would fall into this overwhelm, like, but I can't deal with all of this and, and all this stuff. And so this is one symptoms, but my practice is when I, when it's like an experience, when this sensation comes, then I just pause and I give, it often has to do with doing something. And often the things that I want to do are like feed me, but not when it's enmeshed in this overdrive contamination. And so I give it to my gremlin and I say, I, I won't do it now, but I want to do it later. So you keep it on your list. My gremlin has a kangaroo pouch. And so he loves like, he has this huge belly and like keeps all this stuff in his kangaroo pouch. So I give him the thing to do and so when I actually have space or I'm actually in a moment where I have power in terms of in front of my computer or I can call somebody, I can message somebody, then I say, okay, what's next? And he, and he gives me the next thing and then I just do that. And when I do that, then it's like, okay, what's next? Until, and really to, until I say stop. Okay, the, the time for doing is stops. And then there's a time for being. And I also discovered this I mean, I'm really making the distinction in my life right now about there's a time for like doing and there's a time of being. And this time of being with, especially, was so contaminated by this to-do list. It was like, so there's so much thoughts and, and I say, okay, this is, not, I can't, this is not the, the time to create, like to do anything. And so that's the moment I put it in, I give it to my gremlin. But I realized there's also this time of creation or like free floating attention, like what is my next project? And that's different from doing the project that I'm already doing. And, and that was, it, it's like, it's so amazing for me to be in this creation space and, and to do it also with Clinton because it's part of our intimacy and like archetypal intimacy. And this, this is still a different space from being with. It's still a different space. And so now I have those three spaces that have different purposes and they all feeding me, but not when they're uh, clashing, like collapsing with each other. So. And yeah. to be clear, <clears throat> the experience of the ecstasy that happens in this kind of high level fun co-creating is called swashin and it's a, a word 
we didn't find a word for it. So if you go to the High Level Fund website, you'll see a section on ecstasy and it has a dozen or so words for <clears throat> ecstasy, different kinds of ecstasy during high level fun. And if you start using the new vocabulary with each other, and then, then, then all of a sudden it will become more clear where, how did you create that? What stopped it? Um, how can you, you know, when you are in that space, you have a name for it and that will build up your inner navigating skill in terms of high level fun ecstasies. Cause there are a lot of them that we don't have names for. And as soon as you have a name for it, you can go there again, it's on the map. I just, I just wanna add something for uh, people to give your, if you wanna give your gremlin the job of holding onto your to-do list and it doesn't have a pouch, what I've been doing with other people is that they get, you just declare a box, a to-do box or, or whatever your gremlin wants basic, like whatever your gremlin would, would love to have and that's the, the to do something. And then, and then you just give the job. And often the gremlin is so happy because it loves all this like stuff and this excitement of all these things to do, but you don't have to be preoccupied with it. And the thing is, really I realize it's also your gremlin will loves helping, like for me, it loves helping me doing the hard jobs. So also it wasn't being fed when it was the space was mixed like that when it was contaminated between the hypermanic and the and the actually producing something. And now we can have ecstasy in both. Yeah. Thank you. Cool. Thank you very much for sharing that. For sharing that research. Jeff, go ahead. I, I wanted to hear oh, Naomi had something first. She wanted I interrupted her. Naomi, go ahead. And then Jeff. I yeah, I, I didn't hear which part is part of your archetypal intimacy. Would you repeat that? Yes, this collaborative co-creation. And, and often there's a creation out of, like it's something out of nothing. It's a territory that it's not built. And Clinton hasn't mentioned it yet, but I'm sure it's gonna, it's gonna appear in this uh, next hour about this possibility, possibilitator training the creation of this space called the possibilitator training. And that happened in this uh, yeah, co-creative collaboration space. The way it works is, and Chloe has her archetypal lineage out behind her and it comes through this kind of channel. This way it comes kind of right out here into the space where we are. And I have one also. So you have to imagine, here's two people, here's their archetypal lineages, and there's this space around them, like this golden box, and it comes in and it, it becomes conscious. The archetypal lineage comes conscious because it's saying, feeling, ideas, concept, plans, possibilities, questions, it's coming through. And then the two mix. The two can become aware of each other and that causes a feedback experience of the, of, the, of the archetypal lineages being seen by another archetypal lineage creates this intimacy. It's an archetypal intimacy. And that's exactly what's happening as far as we can tell so far. And we really Im Im implore you to, dis you know, to create that for yourself, to figure it out, to not fool yourself about it, but to go, you know, to go there. It's a, 
It's a delightfulness of being a human being that modern culture essentially knows nothing about because modern culture banned initiatory processes to adulthood. And so through your healings and initiatory processes, you get access to stuff that modern culture knows nothing about. Enjoy the hell out of it. That's what this is about. Thank you, Naomi. Thank you, and Chloe. Jeff, you're on. I feel joy that I get to share this experiment because I'm home with my parents after five days of lab. And I am living in such a different box now, in a box that doesn't use products and doesn't clean my body with anything other than water and doesn't shave if I if it doesn't want to and doesn't keep clean and tidy. And here I am in this cleanest, tidiest, most comfortable environment that I could possibly be in. And I feel the stress of holding my ground. I feel the stress of holding my responsibility for myself. Like I am feeling the stress of saying no, you know, of like, they, because my, my, my mom throws these subtle gestures. Oh, you look so great when you're shaved. Oh, like the soap I got you is such, is such a good soap. It's in the shower. And, and I was just like, no, like, thank you. And no. And I had the conversation with her about throwing away the labels that we have of mom and son. And we got to start again. And it's like, it doesn't land. And, and it's because we don't speak the same language. I, or I haven't said it in the right way, or it's just, you know, it's not, it's not a one-time conversation. It's not, it's not a conversation that, that gets resolved in one shot. And I feel that like right now I'm just being in my life. I am, I'm, I'm really just being, I have no to-do list. I have no work. I'm not doing anything. I just show up to these calls and the other PM calls and do, doing workshops here and there if, if, if someone asked me to do it. And yet I'm still stressed. Like I still feel this stress of being here and, then, and you know, being in the jungle for the last five months and then being in this concrete craziness. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, it's, this is the thing. I don't, I, don't, I, I, I don't, like, I'm taking care of myself by saying no and I still feel this stress. And, and I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to do about it. Thank you. <clears throat> this holding up, holding a, an openness, granting, like taking back your authority to not know what to do about it and staying in the authority to not know what to do about it is a, a place of opportunity. It's a place of multiple outcomes. And so I'm, I just felt glad when you said that also. Thank you, Jeff. I'm gonna keep reading because we're going exactly in these directions. So you can be proactive because you can feel the stress coming long before it arrives. So you can be proactive, you can take action immediately before you are forced to act, before some part of your 
other four bodies collapses you know, into some kind of a breakdown or goes into overwhelm. You can take action before that. The way you do that is lower your numbness bar so that you can become more perceptive of your environment and its various impacts upon your various bodies. Say yes or say no in those moments, like right at the moment, uh, to make decisions and boundaries before the stress gets so high that your nervous system goes into breakdown and makes the decision for you. For example, take a nap, turn off the cell phone, take another nap. I'm serious. I already had two naps today. These, you know, Thomas Edison, he took naps. I mean, he, you know, so I can take naps. If Thomas Edison can take a nap, I can take a nap. So take naps, just like for no reason. You just go, Poof, and your body will soon get accustomed to nap and play, nap, play, you know, nap, create, nap. And it is a whole new rhythm. Then, well, I'm gonna, I have the daytime and then I go to sleep at night. You know, like that. That whole pattern is is not actually organic. That the day-night pattern. I mean, if you research it, you'll find out most indige indigenous people are often awake during the nighttime, often sleeping during the day. So, and it's random. It's not eight hours sleeping because that's healthy. Because Doctor Spock said you need eight hours sleep. You know, it's they're sleeping when they're tired. They're awake when they're awake, and they creating all kinds of stuff. So. So for example, okay, to drink water. And you can even say a prayer before you drink your water. Draw pictures for no purpose. Lie in the sun or crouch in the sun. I don't know. Have a carrot juice for lunch. Say no to house guests. Take a long bath in the dirt. God, when we were in Brazil, one night in the in the trainer days in Brazil in 2019, I said, okay, we went out into the forest at about 10 o'clock at night and we took a nap for two hours in the forest, just wherever you, we just, somebody picked a place for you and you just let, I got to sleep in a grave. So they had dug these six graves on top of the hill and I got to rest for two hours in the night and it was the most amazing thing. There were so many of these lighting bugs going by and these sounds and so much silence. And I got to be hugged by the earth. Yeah, just take a nap in the earth, you know, in a grave, uh, in a cemetery. Go have a nap in a cemetery. It's very quiet there. Go to bed at nine o'clock. Get rid of the dog. Walk barefoot in the grass, do 25 push-ups. talk with a trusted friend and ask them to give you a stress interview where they keep asking you over and over the question, what causes stress in your life? And you write down the answers, have them do a stress interview with you. What causes stress in your life? That's all. You write down the answers. Immediately change the top three items on your list of what causes stress in your life by vanishing the stressful circumstances. Just don't go in those circumstances anymore. And you go, well, yeah, well, one of those stressful circumstances is that I have to go to work to make enough money to live. And Chloe, do you have an answer for that one? 
I do, but it's two hours long. You have to do that next time, okay? Yeah, the whole concept of needing money to live is such a joke. Anyway, or I didn't mean the anyway. Or creating a more responsible story for yourself about why you have involved yourself in these circumstances. For example, you have these stressful circumstances. You involved yourself in those stressful circumstances. You think it is a problem. So instead, make up a different story. If you are stressed out about your husband watching too much television, either throw out the television or decide that you love your husband more than the television and insert your earplugs, sit down next to your husband, put your feet on his lap and read a book. So, I mean, there's so many possibilities. That is not necessarily the best answer, but it's one possibility. What I'm saying is, if you're facing your stress, if you're facing this thing and it's causing you stress, stop facing the thing. I'm gonna do that again. If you're facing this circumstance that's causing you the stress, Take the elevator down, take the elevator sideways, change into a, a water balloon, you know, change into a dust ball. Like you don't have to face those circumstances be, because if you're doing it, you're just, your gremlin is basically getting a payoff. Your, your gremlin is eating your life because you're stressed out in a, a way that you have been stressed out before. It creates this gremlin food for you and your gremlin is running your life. This is not a very happy circumstance. For a possibilitator, it's not a very happy circumstance. So finding, let's see, extraordinary human relationship, which is what we're investigating here, because is extraordinary human relationship, does not come from finding someone who has nits that harmonize with your own nits. Nits are habit patterns. So find, you're not gonna find the perfect person to match your habit patterns. Finding the perfect man or woman is a mental fantasy construct that has no relationship to reality. Okay, that's this. I'm looking for the perfect man. You know, re reality, they don't, nobody, he's not matching my perfect picture. Oh, this, I'm looking for the perfect picture. He's not matching my perfect picture. Okay, God, burn the picture. Like, give it back to Walt Disney, something like that. You can count, you can count on your, on your box, your psychological survival strategy, persistently reacting to some of your partner's nits, no matter how profoundly you love that person. Really, still me, I, I watch my uh, nits, like my nit looks at this big wad of blonde hair bunching up in the corner of the bathroom or in the shower drain or something like that. And my, my nits are going, ah, you know? And, and so, so there's nothing I can do about it. I mean, I could, I don't know. There's, you, maybe there's a plastic surgeon. You can go in and get them when they cut this part of your box out and put it in a compost pile or something. But then I didn't find that one yet. So the thing is you, you're, you're, you have this machine and the machine's going to do what the machine does. Well, just God, let the machine do what the machine does. You know, did you ever see one of these beetles? You know, there's these beetles that walk on the sidewalk sometimes. And it, you, you, you go, no, if you keep going that way, you're going to get run over in the street or something. So you pick the beetle up, you move him somewhere else. And you know what he does? He just walks right back towards the street. 
Like these things are a machine. They're on this, this path. You have no idea what's going on in the Beatles world, you know. He's, he's, he's seeking enlightenment or I don't know what the beetle is up to, but he's got this path. It's none of your fucking business what the beetle is up to. So your box is also none of your fucking business. Like it, just let it freak out over there and just go, there it is, he's doing it again. But it doesn't have to cause any kind of reaction. You don't have to stand there and be a victim of this reactivity going on inside of your survival strategy. The nits do not have to bother you. They can become a form of amusement. You can be entertained by the thing freaking out. You go, you never, you just be amused about it. Extraordinary human relationship comes from familiarity, meaning awareness of your box's nitpicking habits and letting the box do its own thing without believing your box's propaganda about what it is doing. You get this? Your box is going to say, I'm saving your life. You know, I'm making a better world. I'm, I'm, I'm right and they're wrong and I'm going to make them right so the world is better. You know, your box will propagandize you about what it's doing. Do not believe this stuff. So just don't believe it. Instead, notice your box's reaction, this reactivity, and think to yourself, ah, the box is nitpicking again. Well, that's fascinating. This, this word fascinating fascinating it's four syllable word you should use it it's like a magical it's a magical when you say word it has this magical power when you look at something and call it fascinating it's like like when the the neighbors here at the house where we're staying down below sometimes they just start screaming at each other you know and there's part my box is going oh god you should you should give them your book you should give them an emotional healing process you should um, um, go down and um, sing Christmas carols to them or, you know, and instead what I do these days is I just go, ah, fascinating. Human beings are fascinating. Naomi. Yes, I did a clown course with a very interesting clown called Avner Eisenberg, Avner the Eccentric, and the central part of his 10 eccentric principles, his way of teaching, is that when something happens, when a problem happens, because a clown always has to solve problems, you go, interesting. <laughs> because <laughs> when you do that, you automatically breathe out. And then in that moment, you come up with some fun solution or some ridiculous solutions for what is going on. And breath was a very central part. So I, I like that awareness that you breathe out if you say fascinating. <laughs> instead of being like what's going on well you could try to say fascinating by speaking in i mean in france they have this word they say and they say it by inhaling so it's maybe we change a new word like that and then because you know if you breathe out you have to breathe in also so it could be just a this is extreme clown what bouquet what bouquet you're on can you say it now we can't hear you. Okay. All right. Well, next time, then make sure you can talk, and then we'll we'll carry on like that. Okay. All right. Thank you. So and then so the box is nitpicking, and then fascinating, and then go on about your business of navigating extraordinary human relationship. It's almost like 
if you're in a boat and you're sailing along the coast and if, if your box is freaking out, it's like a rock. Somewhere off the coast is this rock sticking out of the water. And instead of going around the rock, when you react to your box's reactivity, you just crash yourself, your space right into the rock. You know, and you could navigate any other place you want, but instead you put your attention right on this rock and you crash right into it. That's what you're doing. When, you're, when your box is freaking out and you put your attention on it, you just destroy the, the space of extraordinary human relationship. So instead, go on about your business of navigating to extraordinary human relationship and let the rock be there. Just let it just go around it like that. This, this next section is consider forgetting your rules. So it's actually your box's rules, not your rules. If you think they're your rules, then you're identified with your box and we're back in ordinary human relationship automatically. There's you and then there's your box, your being, you have a box and you're not your box. So consider forgetting about your box's rules. Clinton, I'd like to share a story that, that got to thinking about what you just said. Go ahead. I, I have been asking my partner to go to, to counseling with me, to have a third party, to someone just to sit there with us he's been resistant and then because we just we would be nitpicking at each other with the little things and then one day i decided to try an experiment where i would completely stop just stop um something would happen i noticed the bugs noticed what bothered me and decided to completely ignore it and 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 go and i <laughs> exactly what the book said i'm like i'm gonna move into extraordinary i just like i'm just gonna do I want to create, I want to do what I want to create. So love in that case. And he's like, wait, he was confused. What do you mean? We're not going to talk about it. I go talk about what? <laughs> he's like, what just happened? I said, no, we're not. He's like, I'm not okay with that. I'm like, okay, so what are you going to do about it? Hmm. I don't know. I'm like, well, I'm just going to love you. <laughs> I'm moving on. And it went for days. And then suddenly he finally said, you know, What's going to take for you to talk about what just happened? I said, I want a third party. I want someone else to listen and to guide the process. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and he finally agreed. And we did. And it was so helpful. But it's just like, it was just going to go back to that fighting. And I'm like, I'm tired. I'm done with it. And just saying, I'm not doing it. <laughs> really shifted it. And now we're communicating way better and it's just it's moving in the direction I wanted and I feel safer just it works but it, it took me and I had to feel it in my body like it wasn't me avoiding it like I, I shifted something in me because I'm, I'm good at like I'm right this is how it is you know you're wrong I'm good at that so um I, I needed to find genuine love and I just worked on that and that anyway it was it's yeah it's something's happening shifting but I just wanted to share that it's possible <laughs> thank you Yeah, thank you. Tara? Yeah, um, I wanted to share something as well, because when I'm listening to this, there's this question coming up in me that is about this thing of my box or this strategy that I have that is like 
I can love you anyways. I can, I love you um, always and always and no matter what is coming up, no matter what is annoying me, no matter what, I'm going to love you. I'm going to do this. And it seems very like dangerous for me to like um, interchange those two things because I know it's not the same thing. Um, doing what you just explained and doing what I'm doing because I can tell that it is it is my box or my me being a doormat. Like I can take it. Like come on, I, I'm going to love you anyways. And I wanted to ask you or all of you, like if there's any, how can I navigate that? Like how can I differentiate between that? Because I don't, I don't want to be this doormat anymore, <laughs> and um, still don't want to also don't want to be nitpicking but i need Tarot. a different Tarot, have you learned to distinguish between anger sadness fear and joy can you navigate your feelings a little bit yeah i i Good. would say so yes so this would be a time where you put your hand up and say i would like an emotional healing process about not being a doormat anymore because you're not taking care of yourself it's the thing we were talking about at first and yeah. there's a part of you that has survived by not taking care of yourself. And it's time yeah. to grow up out of that. But that will take not a discussion. It takes an emotional healing process. Would you like to try that? Yes. Yeah. Then you would so, do that. You, you would go ahead, ask. And get ready to write down some people's names so you can find them in the Telegram group. Yes. Yeah. You ready to write down their names? Yeah, I am. Yeah. I have a pencil right here. Yeah, so I would like to ask um, about people holding space for a healing process for me for not being a dormant anymore. A, a, a more clear phrasing of that question is, is some, would somebody hold space for me for an emotional healing process about this? Yeah. Would someone hold space for me for an emotional healing process about me not being a dormant anymore? I see Ingrid. You only need one, basically. So I didn't see anybody else. And Giselle is also. And yeah. Giselle, yeah. And also Christina Plushens. And also Christina, all right. Yeah, great team. Thank you. Great team. Great, thank you for asking for that. Yeah, thank you. It'll be great. You know, we have uh, 83 emotional healing processes recorded online already at the Create Possibility website. So if you anybody wants to witness or learn from uh, essentially professional, high-quality emotional healing processes that people have shared, been willing to have on a video in public, which takes courage, because these are as deep as it can go and as big as it can go, then tune in because there's already 83. We're going to record up to 100. And at that, you know, so we're, there's a group of four uh, possibility coaches and Chloe, myself, and Patricio Diaz, who's in New York, and also Vera, who's in Colorado right now, Vera Luisa Franco. And so if you have already done an expand the box training and so, so we know that you know how to inter navigate 
then uh, if you would like to sign up for an emotional healing process, just get in touch with one of us. And along those lines, while I'm speaking about these things, as Anne Chloe mentioned, we've figured out after all these years that we've been missing something in the possibility management game world. And uh, it, we became aware of that when, when uh, and Chloe decided she wanted to become a trainer and go on the trainer path, and there was not any. There was not a trainer path for her to go on. There were some trainer trainings, but there was no space where people who are on this path together could be together as learning how to be trainers. So she built the trainer path and, and, and there became a community of people whose specialty was being on the trainer, being on this trainer path. But what, but the thing is, most people are not going to be trainers. Most people are, if they're interested in possibility management, they will apply it in some other game world, in their game world, in your game world, you will apply it in your life, in your game worlds, whatever that is. And so uh, we've just opened up a new uh, platform called possibilitatortraining.org, possibilitatortraining.org. And if you go on there, you will discover that a new community is forming of people who are who, are, who love possibility management, who are in the path of becoming possibilitators, who are, it's, it's, it's exactly like what we have here, except it is, the path of it is, it's, it is not a program, just to be clear, it is a path. A program has an outline, you know, do this, do that, do this, do that. That's the curriculum, and then you have accomplished the program. Possibility, possibilitator training is not, a program it is a path, which means it's, it's designed by you. What you need right now is your next step. And that's different for each person. And it begins with expand the box training. So you get the idea of what the game world is. And then it, the first, the really the big step is it, you take a deep breath and you commit to yourself and you go, I'm going to do this. You're not committing to us. You're not committing to any authority figure. You're committing to yourself and you are saying, I'm going to do this for myself. I'm going to do this. And the commitment is to, to do 10 possibility labs, 10 possibility labs, plus this whole bunch of other, a whole field of other things. And as your specialty starts becoming apparent, You'll, you'll have some archetypal lineage showing up, some bright principles showing up. You'll have this whole set of uh, needs for specialized skills. Then, then it becomes really clear what you, what you need next, what you specialize in next. So a lot of, a lot of the skills are they're similar. For example, holding, like being centered, being grounded, having your bubble, um, being connected, holding space, creating space, holding space, navigating non-linear and unreasonable space, calling in uh, other, accessing other spaces in your space, like how to move your space into other spaces. There's so many fundamental skills that we'll use in your specialty. So some of the specialties are possibility coaching, possibility mediation, possibility psychology, 
memetic engineering, but I, we can't tell what your specialty will be. We don't know what your specialty is. It is some service to the village. You have some, you were born ready to prepare yourself to deliver some service to the village. And that is the value that you bring. Money is not value. Money is a, a gambling game world. Value comes from what you deliver, what you are, what you can create for people, what you provide, what you stand for, what you, what you can shift into. This is value. The distinctions you can create, the possibility you can create, these are values. The healing processes you can deliver, the initiatory processes you can bring people through into adulthood, this is value. And these are the central values of next culture. So you can create you, for yourself a Gaian game world, not just a, a game world, but a Gaian game world, a game world that feeds Gaia through what you're creating with people is a Gaian game world. Next culture is built out of Gaian game worlds. There's another website we just finished called GaianGameWorlds.org. So either both the Gaian game worlds and the possibilitator training game world, please check those out. There's so much, uh, so many, I don't know. I love those websites. They're just fantastic. And so, you know, I just wanted to share that with you guys, that this is a new clarity that's happened in the game world of possibility management. We welcome you all. We want to have you connect with the other people who are not in this study group. There's people doing rage clubs. There's people doing fear clubs. There's people in groups doing 333 exercises. There's people all around who are I'm in study groups and possibility teams and et cetera. So, and projects, there's bunches of projects going on. So this is, uh, it just became possible after all these years. So I wanna thank you all for listening while I was making the invitation for you to check it out. Thank you. Alrighty then, consider forgetting your rules. Through your every thought, feeling, word and action, you choose which quality of relationship to establish with the people around you or the spaces around you at any moment, ordinary or extraordinary. Many formative actions are so subtle you know, but I mean by a formative action is the tone of your voice, where you're putting your attention. What is your intention behind your action? In what way are you gesturing in terms of what is your invitation? Like who's speaking? Who is speaking? These are all formatory actions. They're subtle formatory actions. If you're doing if they're ordinary, you will create an ordinary space. If they're extraordinary, you're creating an extraordinary space. So these are formatory actions. Many formative actions are so subtle that you might not even regard them as actions. That's what I'm saying, because we're in the domain of extraordinary now. This is a sacred space. For example, presenting logical thinking to explain your point of view 
may seem irreducibly necessary in your interactions. Get what I'm saying? There are some people who say, I have to explain to you my, the logical, you know, my logical thinking and, and, and it's you have to understand this. There are people like that. It may take some time before you would grant that logic is not particularly suited for creating extraordinary human relationship. Men, lawyers, I just wanna say that again. It may take some time before you will experience, you will realize that logic is not particularly suited for creating extraordinary human relationship. If you have developed the most inarguable sequence of logic to explain why something should be done a certain way and why your nits are right, you may consistently win in a battle of nits. But when you win, your partner loses. And when your partner loses, what have you really won? Rationality has its uses, but not necessarily in building extraordinary relationship. Those times when a nit is screaming logical arguments in your head, those are very good times to remember your priorities about what kind of relationship space you want to navigate into. And also good times to remember your voice blaster. So I think we've talked about your voice blaster. Everybody has a voice blaster. So those nits often activate voices. You know, that's wrong. Look, she's doing it again. God, he never remembers this. God, why is he always doing it like this? And these are voices in your head. So nits can produce voisters. And Chloe, I appreciate how, how, how swiftly you, you generate these website links for people. It is miraculous. It is like, it's like God's looking over my shoulder and going, some goddesses. Anyway, thank you for doing that. <laughs> thank you. It's, it's very cool. It's very empowering. This is king making. We haven't got to that part of the book yet, but it is king making. And I appreciate that. Thank you. So the nits have voices. You're gonna listen to the, you know, a nit is an insect. It's like, a, like it's worse than a rodent. I mean, I don't know, have you ever studied cockroaches really up close? I mean, they, you know, cockroaches, they do this kind of thing, you know? You know, okay, all right, all right. You're gonna let that thing run your life. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna believe in that. You're gonna give that a voice. I mean, this is like I don't know what it's like. It's like Men in Black, the first one, where that giant cockroach puts this guy's skin on, you know, and it's, <laughs> you know that thing is running your life every time a knit is. You just pull out your voice blaster and boom, you know, blow the thing away. You don't have to listen to those voices. You do not have to listen. I don't know how we believe this stuff. You know, how do we get convinced? that anytime some voice comes, we should listen to it. It's just insane. You just, God, these things are so useful. So one day, uh-oh, this is gonna be bad. I can tell already. One day as my partner was washing the breakfast dishes, I picked up a towel to dry the dishes. 
she had just rinsed the frying pan and I intercepted it on the way to the drying rack. No, 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 she said, refusing to let me take the frying pan from her hand. I said, okay, and I started drying the other dishes. She realized that her box had freaked out about me wanting to dry the frying pan and she started inquiring internally as to what it was about. She discovered a knit, a logically supported preference that was self-made into a rule about how to dry the dishes. Probably she copied it from her mother. Finally, she said, so what do I do? She said this, what do I do? For me, after years of experience, I have found the best method for drying the dishes. Let me explain it to you. Start with the glasses and the silverware. This way the towel is driest and it absorbs water more efficiently and leaves no streaks of water spots on the glasses or silverware. Next, dry the dishes. Then afterward, dry the pots and pans. It is very simple. I always use this method. That's what she said. As we discussed the circumstance, we started to realize how pervasively knits rule our lives and kill with logic the possibility of other possibilities. The possibility of other possibilities. Knits that we have hardened into rules prevent us from navigating into spaces that serve purposes other than logical expediency. We do not sacrifice extraordinary on the altar of expediency. Maybe you do, maybe you are sacrificing extraordinary under the altar of expediency. You know, there's a store right across the street from here and the quickest way to walk from our front door to that store is a straight line and that's expedient, but we don't ever do that. There's also, there's a whole central of town. There's, there's, a, there's a bar with creatures sitting around it. There's trees and plants and birds and there's cats and cactuses and banana trees. And so the, the way to the store is usually this meandering route of, of extraordinary intimacy on the way to the store. It is not the most efficient way to get there but it is, it is the way of extraordinary to get there. So you can live your life. You can start over again and live your life according to extraordinary rather than expedient. You do not have to sacrifice your life to the, to the logic of, ex, of efficiency. It would be a choice that you would make. Nobody can make the choice for you Nobody can stop you from making that choice. In the case with the dish drying, only two people ate breakfast. There were so few dishes that the dish towel could not possibly have gotten wet enough to leave streaks or water spots, no matter what order the dishes were dried in. Using the drying method as a rule killed the tender physical intimacy of passing the frying pan from her to me. What was killed was the opportunity for a direct experience of nearness in a space that was not exclusively dedicated to intimacy. 
with her sharp degrading, no, 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 I was treated like a little boy being scolded by his all-knowing mommy for doing something wrong. The rule killed the possibility of extraordinary human relationship. That is, until we started honestly investigating what was going on, which is called a meta-conversation. And I know we're going there. We're going towards meta-conversations. So uh, to the conversation about the conversation opened up intimacies that take us directly back into the extraordinary. So the meta conversation itself is your path back to extraordinary. Having a conversation about the conversation creates the possibility of possibility. This is a very cool thing. Possibilitators use this principle. The point is that the box has nits. The box having nits is unavoidable. The box is made out of nits, but you have the choice of deciding whether or not a nit is treated as a rule or just a nit. When a nit gets triggered, all the box's defenses react. That's a survival strategy, right? So it feels like a survival level reaction from your nits when you, when you get reacted. Now that you know that the box is reacting to an internal self-created knit, you know that your reaction is not caused by the other person. It is not caused by the other person. It's caused by your knit. Your feelings of rage or fear or sorrow come from the box's story about what is happening, not from what is actually happening. This clarity gives you the chance to notice your NITS rule with objective neutrality and the possibility of letting the whole reaction bypass you in less than three seconds. Let it go by in less than three seconds while taking no actions. You stay in the present, the reaction fades into the past, then you can start over again unhooked. This is very powerful technology. You stay in the present, reaction goes in the past, you're not hooked. Breathe. Notice your nits, regard them as just nits. You know, not as powerless or insignificant, but just you distinguish that is a nit. It's a mechanical reaction. A nit is a mechanical reaction. Consciousness creates freedom. Nits are neither right nor wrong. They are nits, just nits. You do not have to make your nits into rules that cement you into certain rigid, logically defendable patterns or behavior. Instead, you can live. Big difference between living and following a set of nit reactions. Consider how much time you've spent following nit reactions thinking that you are living. Huge difference, huge, huge difference. You know, if you really love nits, stuff like that, you can just go sit with a bunch of other people who live nuts and nits, and you could have a knitting circle. I just made that up. So I thought it was pretty good. Wait, Jeff, I, give me one sentence. I wanna just finish this paragraph. You can have a knitting circle. Okay. Logically, so 
you do not have to make your nits the rules that cement you into certain rigid, logically defendable patterns of behavior. Instead, you can live. You can float in a luscious, fluidic, reciprocal, responsive relationship to what is needed and wanted in the abundant life happening around you now. Jeffrey, go ahead. For Jeff, thank you. Um, I well, Jeff. I, I think I just had. I'd like a real. I'd like a do-over then. Thank you, Jeff. Take it away. Thank you. Um, I think I just had a my first five-body experience of the distinction between extraordinary and archetypal, because all of this is about you know like understanding that it's just a knit and it's not it's not real, quote unquote. It's just your 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 reaction to yourself and your pass and you can just let it go by or you can go into a process about it with the person you're in space with are you willing to say that whole thing with i instead i yeah just start yeah, whenever, over with i thank you thank you because it, it will land for us better over here if you say i thank you yeah so i i'm i'm noticing or i i had this this deep um landing of the distinction between extraordinary and archetypal and that is that whenever I have a reaction or a knit, when a knit comes up, it's just a reaction of myself to myself from something from the past and that I can just let it go by and go back into connection with the person that I'm in space with. Or in, a, in another possibility, I can go into a process about it with this person and deepen and, and the, the level of intimacy can explode rather than just take off and i feel a lot of joy about that thank you okay what's cooking oh, i was just thinking like there's just so much to all this and um so Part of my process in the last year has been to get more in touch with rage and anger, which was very not accessible to me. Yeah, cool. And, you know, an unintended consequence of that is getting angry, you know, without being controlled. And uh, it actually happened in another call with Mark last week. And, uh, you know, when you're talking about knits, so I have a knit, I guess I don't even want to say it's a knit because then that like makes it <laughs> like not true. <laughs> but I for sure have a knit about, uh, I'm going to say it, people interrupting each other, but it's actually men interrupting women. And, uh, so anyway, Mark and I had a moment and uh, which other people witnessed and some other people thought it was brutal. And, you know, afterwards I went through this whole workshop, you know, <laughs> of my own and um, ended up talking to uh, the person holding the call. In the process of that, I realized that I have been waiting for you to interrupt and Chloe 
which you did like nine months ago and I'm still waiting for another time like, to, to like you know I don't know jump on it I guess so but there's so much to it like okay so you know I uh anyway I, I have more reflection to do but I'm sensing there's this thin line to navigate between reactivity that needs an emotional healing process and a knit that you can let go by. Because I was also imagining me holding in a knit, creating extraordinary relationship, but actually just doing this thing of holding in, which in my case wouldn't be constructive because that's a pattern. So I guess that's all the ninja navigation skill we're cultivating here. Yeah, there's a, thank you. There's a, a factor, some kind of hidden factor that is not so well distinguished here yet about respect, which has to do with respecting the dignity of the conversation, respecting the integrity of respect itself in a way. This is extraordinary when you can respect respect or the dignity of a conversation and to, and to care for that, for the both of you, to care for that in the space is a kind of, a, of an indicator about whether it's a knit or a, a valuable re, um, regard for what needs to be spoken about in terms of internal signals. So if you're getting this internal signal and it's, it has to do with, you can, you've seen it before, you, it, it makes no, it has no grip on respecting respect. It has no grip, it, there's no connection to, like you have to dry the frying pans last. You know, what does that have to do with respecting respect? But interrupting a person, there's, there's, a, there's the lack of the respect in, in certain cases, in certain cases. And in certain cases to not interrupt a person is not respecting respect. And so, I, I have pain, like when Kay was talking about that, I, I feel sad and frustrated about how many times I have interrupted people in previous years. And to, it's, a, it's such a luxury for me to not interrupt, have the person completely, complete speaking what they were going to say and still, not, and still hold this space of vacuum for the next thing to come, the second thoughts, the third thoughts, the, like, what is this really about? And then all of a sudden, they're saying things they did not know they could speak about. And I get to listen through them. Instead of to them, I get to listen through them to their source. And all I did was waited a little extra longer and not speak and just listen. And then this source starts talking because your mind ran out of stuff to say. And the source starts coming. Hey, this is totally extraordinary. And so like that would be respecting the respect 
That's the difference. So I don't think that's been spoken about enough in the book or in possibility management, but I think it's truly powerful stuff. Crystal, um, who, who, who said, uh, um, Oh, sorry, I know Appreciate that it. Um, is the American American. Autumn, you said it. And, uh, uh, Autumn, can you hold on just a second? Just yes. hold on a second. I wanted to hear from Crystal. Can you say something? I just wanted to drop in one time again, because I'm in the reading group of Habet in German. And I'm reading the book in German, and I just wanted to connect uh, to the group in English too, to see how much I can understand, how far I am, how far you are. <laughs> I appreciate all that. How is it going? Ah, how is it going? Hmm. Now at this moment. Yes, there's no, there's no time like this moment. Well, I have many voices in myself. Um, and I have a lot of sadness because I'm not sure how my life is going on now. And I sometimes I'm very inspired by all the things I learn in possibility management. And then I think, oh, I should, I should do, I should know what I want to do now. I should do a good job now. I should earn some money. It takes too long time now. And then I think, oh, this could be uh, low drama, what I'm doing now. <laughs> so I learned such a lot theories and practice in the PM team too. I have a proposal for you. Yes. Yeah, this little thing you said, I don't know what I should do now. That's a doorway to an emotional healing process that you're supposed to know what you should do now. You're so, I should do something. Mm. And if you, if you would like, I'm sure that somebody might be willing to be with you and navigate an emotional healing process for you about that, if you would like to ask for it. Yes, and I would really like to do it in German. Also done, fragst auf Deutsch. Gut. Würdest jemand Gibt es hier jemand, würde jemand für mich einen Heilungsprozess, einen Raum halten dafür, damit ich, ja, wie sage ich das, damit ich mich mit dem... Kein, vergess es, nur die Frage. Das war super. Würde jemand für mich einen Heilungsprozess machen? Wer würde das machen? Ingrid, super. Ich Joseph, mich bei dir. Joseph und Christina also. Okay, Ingrid. Sie also kann Deutsch sprechen. Es ist eine super Sprache. Joseph, ich sehe keinen Joseph. Und Christina. Ja, Joseph ist da. Er ist ein Mann. Ich bin in Wald. Ja, also Christina. Great, thank you. Dankeschön. Good, okay. Autumn. Um. Wait, wait, wait. Autumn, you're not familiar with this. 
but we have a custom not to begin our speech with um. It is an American mantra that puts people into the zombie state. And it's just simply something to be avoided. So could you please do a do-over? I don't know what I want to say exactly. I've been processing a tiny bit this idea between uh, nits and um, personal boundaries, although I haven't had those words to really define them. And I, I get scared a lot because the way that I like to do things is very odd. Which I? Um, oh, oops. Hmm. Well, sometimes when my energy is low, when I'm hanging out with people, I would prefer if I'm going to be taking care of myself to take care of them as well. And if they have certain, like if I'm going to be making food for myself, it's my pleasure to make food for them as well. But then some days I um, don't want to make food for people. And so I won't even offer and I'll just make food for myself. And then, um, and then, sorry, I'm trying to uh, not go into um so that I don't go into my headspace, but I don't know how to do that yet. There's so, a great website called Negotiate Intimacy. Negotiate Intimacy. Negotiate and, Intimacy. Yeah, and it has some... It's not complete, I don't think, but it has some uh, distinctions, some experiments to try that will improve your ability to say what you want and, and ask for what you want. And so say, for example, hello everybody, I'm hungry and I do not wanna cook for anybody else. So I'm gonna cook for me and, and I'll talk to you later. I would, I would love to be able to say such things. Uh, with my family, sometimes they get... Wait, are you still living with your family? Well, I was with my family for a little bit, and then I just moved out. I've been kind of... You have to uh, understand. So, Autumn, listen, you have to understand that the reason you partly ended up in the psych ward is your family. It's not such a fun thing to recognize, but it's, it's, it, it's like... How do I do this? It's like you got cheese, you're going to get mold. Mold grows on cheese. Why is that? Because cheese is made out of mold. So, so if you're in your family, you're going to get the same, you're going to get, you're going to get uh, stimulated to behave in the way that for you resulted in the psych ward. So it isn't saying anything bad about your family. Colleagues, do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, I'm the oldest of seven. Great. Did did any of the other six end up in a psych ward? No, they follow my parents' rules. Great. So the thing is, you constructed a box that's different. Everybody constructs a different box. Your particular box mixed with your parents puts you in a psych ward. So I would just kind of encourage you to not put yourself was, back in that environment. Yeah, so it's partially right because now. I was in a relationship that was kind of mirroring my family. And, mm -hmm. um, and that was also causing me to go a little insane. 
um, and I was not um, doing things like you just said, hello, I'm hungry <laughs> and I would like to make myself food and I'm not making food for anyone else right now. Thank you. Autumn, can I, can I um, recommend something for you? Just go ahead, Tara. I would really recommend you to do a Reiki club because what you just said was something that was so impossible for me to say just a few months ago. Like I'm making food more for myself and I'm not going to do it for you. So I would recommend you to do a rage club and get your energy and your authority and your center back. Yeah, yeah. super. Yeah, it's the I recommend it too. How many people recommend it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Rage Club is, you got to do Rage Club. It is fantastic. It is fantastic. Somebody else, what is it? There was Dor, somebody else had their hand up too. Who else was it? Okay, Dor, go ahead. Yeah, I, I see Emma Benitez here and I want to welcome her into the space. We met in Mexico and I have a lot of joy that you're here, Emma. Emma, talk to us. <laughs> Thank you, Dor. I am so grateful for this work, to have been introduced to this more intimately with uh, Jeff invited me in this and has been sharing with me everything. Great. Welcome. Glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you. Niviamshu, what's cooking over there? Besides curry. Okay, we're getting our microphones on. Can you have to turn you have to turn the switch? You're uh, you're muted. Can you turn the switch on the computer? Now we can't hear you yet. The little red thing on your the lower left part of your screen is a microphone. You have to click on it. Okay. Yeah, there we go. To get switched on is not so easy right now, as you can see, but I made it. Um, you're doing a lot of work in the garden. No, no, no. And... We're talking about knits. We're talking about extraordinary human. I can hear you. Any... Talking about. I would prefer to communicate from the heart because the voice thing and the electronics is not so. Okay, we're listening to your heart. Let it speak. Okay. It has words. We've heard your heart speak before. We're listening. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm in a very unusual spa space at present. I'm moving from the caterpillar to the butterfly. And in this space, there are not so many words. The words are not so meaningful. Yvyamshu, do you feel supported in that process? You feel, do you have a team around you? Are you do you need a, a 
emotional healing process right now about anything, for example? It's a big, it's a big set of processes. Yeah, I think we'll get more into it tomorrow evening. Okay. Thanks All right. for caring. Yeah. Anything you want to ask from anybody here? Like for these great people here, you could say, please give me an emotional healing process about, about my chrysalis to butterfly thing. Yeah, I would like to do it with Joseph, for instance. Okay, then you have if to you, go ahead. If you are free. Will you start yeah. again? Dear Joseph, I would like... Joseph, I would like to have an emotional healing process with you on my present state, which is very new to me. I'm ready for that. Thank you. We'll get in touch. Great. Yay. Anybody else? We have a few minutes you could ask for one yourself. Anybody yes. else? Go ahead, Jula. Yes, I had my hand up several times today and somehow was not seen. And I noticed, like I used to get like really, really hooked like the by this, like not being seen, not being heard was like, I would stay in this for hours and I noticed I'm a little bit hooked, like it's still there. There's like anger about this and sadness, but it's so much less than it was like half a year ago. And expressing this right now, I'm, I'm so glad about it. And for me, this was a mixture of like several healing processes, or at least one that dealt just with that and several where it showed up, like I'm not heard, I'm not seen. And right now it was just being like, oh, I'm not seen. Oh my God, my box is reacting. This is happening. And like, with this, it just kind of like it calmed down. And yeah, I'm so, glad. Yeah, cool. I'm not, I'm not, so you're not asking for a process, right? No. Great. No. I'll give you a hint. You yes. Know, if you if you want to say something, put your hand like this, and keep it there. Like that. Yeah. Okay. So, or at least so we can see there's a hand, and you keep it there. Just All right. Not not over it like this. Just like this, yeah. so we can see it. Just keep it there. You don't have to do anything. So I have two screens. You know, there's people on the back screen and people on the front mm -hmm. screen. So, eventually, eventually somebody will say, "Hey, Eula's got her hand up," and then because we work as a team here. Okay, because I'm, I'm not ignoring you. And Thank you. I'm practicing. See, it works. <laughs> I have another hint, Yuli. It's yes. like, it would be, you know, now you've done the emotional healing process and the next thing would be find ways, like different ways to make yourself visible. You know, that's the next step is how do you make yourself visible? And sometimes it will, you know, you will say something that would be coming from your box, but sometimes what you have to say is needed for other people. So you're not only saying things for you. And so, and that would be, that would be the offer for your, like the next experiment to try. Great. To say things that are not just needed for me, but. No. no. 
The experiment is now that you've healed part of this uh, reaction about not being heard and not being seen, you can be more present when you have something to say and you're not visible enough or you're not putting yourself in the front enough so you can be like whatever called on you just even speak. You get it, you get more present that you have choice. And so the next experiment in that moment where you where you are more present is then make yourself visible. Find different ways. So Clinton give you one, but there's a lot of other possibilities. And so that's the experiment. Great. Offer. Thank you. Thank you. Do you or do you or does anyone have possibilities now? Like for make myself more seen. So hold on a second, Eula. Yes. Um, could you ask it another time? We've got about one minute left, and so I want to hear okay. from Irena. And so just put it on the chat line or something, and we'll send you some ideas, okay? All right, cool. And Thank, the you. Tele mm -hmm. Telegram. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Eula. Thank you, Chloe. Irena, go ahead. Thank you. Um, I want to ask to for someone who wants to navigate with me in a healing process, related to caring myself or loving myself, uh, this whole conversation has been touching so much. So I, need, Great. I need support. So I see door. So, so Irena and jo Joseph, hold on a second. <clears throat> Irena, the thing is, this is not really support. In a way, it's a process, it's a, it's a bridge. It's a emotional healing process. It's it's a it's magical. So it isn't really support. It's not there to support you. It's a transformational healing process. So then you're asking yeah. somebody to take you through this. So this is not because you're a victim and you need support. This is because you're an adventurer and an edge worker and you're going through the next step. You're on this path. Yeah. It's like that, more like that. So who, ask again, just yeah. say, would somebody please Take me on, on this emotional healing process. Okay, will somebody please take me into a emotional healing process uh, for caring myself or loving myself? Good, write, write down Naomi, Dor, and Joseph. Very cool. Thank you. Thank we you. Are, we are, you're welcome. Thank you. Anybody else right now? Okay. All right. We are headed uh, back out to other spaces. I heard a voice from somebody. Uh, that was Autumn, me. I, I also want to go on the emotional healing process for loving myself. Uh, would those three people, the same three people, somehow include Autumn in that, in that procedure? Maybe two different processes Even or... Even just to witness um, would be good. good. Okay. All right, you're on the team. Joseph said yes. Okay. All right. All right. Next week we'll be diving into meta conversations. This week, do your experiments, watch your films, read your books, and and have a great time. Thank you for being here. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thanks. Gracias. Gracias. Ciao. Gracias. Gracias.
Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Good.